two brothers, tens of millions of followers and too many diss track videos to count. Logan and Jake Paul were controversial for sure, but by the end of 2017, they'd encounter a scandal so serious it's a wonder their careers survived. Welcome to Scandal from Shameless Podcast, the stories of the biggest celebrity controversies revisited. Hello, hello. Hello, welcome back to part two. Yes, guys, we covered so much in episode one. We spoke about how Jake and Logan Paul started on Vine as teenagers. They had a YouTube channel before that, but it wasn't really the center of their attention. They turned their attention back to YouTube once they had established those massive Vine followings. Yeah, now originally it was Logan who was garnering a bigger following than his younger brother, Jake. But eventually, Jake decided to start a little something called Team 10, which was essentially a content house where he would house young creators, took a portion of their earnings and saw their followings explode. What could possibly go wrong? What could possibly go wrong with a bunch of young people in one house? Now, Team 10 was definitely controversial. Of note, in the early days, Jake's ex-girlfriend, Alyssa Violet, spoke publicly about how controlling she thought Jake was throughout the period she lived there. She said at the time, if you're not up by 10 a.m., you get fined $50. No alcohol at the house, so you get fined $500. No smoking. Every single guest that you had to have over had to be approved by Jake. The second I asked to have a guy over, he would be like, no, absolutely not. Jake Paul, by this point in the timeline, had millions of subscribers, but he also had a lot of haters. And in response to the haters, he kept writing diss tracks to explain himself. Then, of course, we left off the last episode with a pretty peculiar decision from Jake Paul. In August 2017, he uploaded a vlog called My Assistant Was Assaulted. In that video, Jake accused the new partner of his ex-girlfriend, Alyssa Violet, Faze Banks, of clothes lining his employee, Meg. Yeah, now, according to Jake, who actually wasn't there and didn't witness the incident, the video was published with the mission to, and I quote, stop this kind of thing happening as a community. Do go to Jake Paul. Yeah, only Jake's ex, Alyssa Violet, the one I mentioned just before, decided to come forward with some more allegations of her own. She then made a range of other claims, including allegations that Jake had spat on her face during arguments, threw a phone at her, and she did allege that he once shoved her forcefully into a cactus under the guise of a prank video. Mm, soon, viewers started to zoom in on some of the images displayed in that My Assistant Was Assaulted video. And according to them, it appeared that some of Jake's bruises looked glittery or a bit strange in appearance, almost like eyeshadow. Suddenly, Jake was being accused of being abusive and of concocting a story for clicks. He lost a ton of followers, but he did rebound back pretty quickly. Zara, this scandal, although it was huge at the time, was kind of nothing compared to what was about to happen to the brothers come the end of 2017. We are rewinding to December 31, 2017, Zara, because Logan Paul was about to land himself in the biggest YouTube controversy I can remember. Alrighty, Mish. So we spoke a lot in our last episode about Jake Paul and the controversies of Jake. But as you say, 
the controversies of Logan Paul at the end of 2017, beginning of 2018, almost had nothing on what we've spoken about so far. By the end of 2017, for context, Logan Paul was nearly 23 years old and had amassed more than 16 million followers across all his social media platforms. Now, he posted daily vlogs to his YouTube channel, which, like his brother, consisted largely of pranks, stunts and comedic content. In December 2017, he travelled with some friends to Japan where he documented his entire trip on camera. Yeah, and on December 31, he uploaded a vlog all about his trip to Aogikahara, a forest also known as the Sea of Trees at the base of Mount Fuji in Japan. Now, sadly, Aogikahara has gained notoriety around the world as a place where people go to take their own lives. It actually goes by, I guess, the nickname, the Suicide Forest. Yeah, now as per the New York Times, the video begins with Mr. Paul warning viewers that the following footage is graphic. This definitely marks a moment in YouTube history, he says, because I'm pretty sure this has never hopefully happened to anyone on YouTube ever. Now, with that said, buckle up. Mm. As the video continued, Logan explained to the viewer that he and his friends intended to camp overnight in the forest, joking and laughing about being haunted by ghosts before the video took a really dark turn. Yeah, Logan and his friends came across a deceased person in the forest. As per the New York Times, in the next scene, they come across the body. The face is blurred, the rest is left visible. Mr. Paul and the others react in shock and Mr. Paul urges their guide to call the police. Yo, are you alive? He shouts towards the body. The piece continued, as the group leaves the area where the body was found, Mr. Paul, who has television experience and is trained with comedy troops, begins to engage in the kinds of behaviour most familiar to his viewers. Exaggerated reaction shots and nervous laughter. The tone soon becomes more antic as Mr. Paul and the others appear to try and lighten the mood. Toward the end of the video, Mr. Paul says that his smiling and laughing is not a betrayal of how I feel about the circumstances, describing it as his coping mechanism. To say this video was met with backlash would be such a vast understatement, wouldn't it, Mish? Like this video was so universally mm. criticised, first on social media, but then by major news outlets around the world, including the New York Times, the BBC, The Atlantic, New York Magazine, and many, many more. Mm. This wasn't something that was just sort of a YouTube online community specific controversy. This was a global story. I remember where I was when this was posted to YouTube. I remember watching the original video before YouTube stripped it down. I remember all of it. It was massive. And as you said, it went so far beyond just the social media corners of the internet that Logan and Jake tended to be popular in and spoken about in. I just want to rewind a tiny bit. It's so transparent for him to open this video by saying, I'm pretty sure that this has never hopefully, hopefully happened. happened. You are intentionally walking into a place called the Suicide Forest. You've got your camera. You're trying to seek out people who have taken their own lives. And yet you're saying, I hope this is like, hopefully no one else has stumbled upon this as if it just happened to you. Yes, as a big old accident. Now, many of Logan's critics also criticized YouTube for allowing a video showing a dead body to not only go live, but appear on their trending page. Now, here's what Vox reported at the time. Despite YouTube's policy prohibiting violent or gory content, the video quickly went viral on the site, reaching number 10 on its trending list, even in the face of protest and outcry on YouTube and other social media platforms. Before Logan deleted the video one day later on January 1, 2018, it had amassed 6 million views. I think what's 
really interesting for me looking back on this is I had always assumed this was a live video. Oh, right. Not you thought that, he was live streaming. I thought he was live streaming. Mm. And I thought it made slightly more sense to me as to how this happens. Still horrific and horrendous, but it made more sense to me. What really, really confounded me is realising now with hindsight that he filmed it, edited it and uploaded it. Yeah, I think there actually would have been a day or days between them filming this and them putting it live, which is interesting as well. I don't think they would have had Wi-Fi or the technology available to upload this in the forest. They've not only filmed it and sat with it for a considerable amount of time, they then edited it put all the branding around it and still thought it's something that should be shared publicly. It's not like, I I think I would have a tiny bit more understanding for someone who did this on a whim, thought about it for 15 seconds and it was out there. This would have had at least, at least hours or a day or more of time for this to ferment and everyone involved still went ahead with it. It's kind of like when we talk about scandals on this show and when you realise the scandal was made up of many decisions over the course of many days. And at no point did anyone turn around and say, this is not a good idea. Like mm. that is just so wild to me. Now, this naturally was garnering a lot of criticism, not just from media outlets and YouTube, but public figures on Twitter. Mm. I mean, one of Logan's critics was uh, Breaking Bad actor Aaron Paul, who tweeted, Dear Logan Paul, how dare you? You disgust me. I can't believe that so many young people look up to you. So sad. Hopefully this latest video woke them up. You are pure trash, plain and simple. Suicide is not a joke. Go rot in hell. Writer Lauren Duca tweeted, Logan Paul is an amoral piece of shit who could not be less deserving of his platform. Fuck. If you need help, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-TALK. Her tweet was retweeted 2,000 times, Mish, and liked over 10,000 times. So this was the sentiment, for sure. Yeah. On the 2nd of January 2018, so this was all happening over the New Year's period as well, Logan posted a notes-up apology to his Twitter account. In the two-page apology, he wrote, I've never faced criticism like this before because I've never made a mistake like this before. I didn't do it for views. I get views. I did it because I thought I could make a positive ripple on the internet, not cause a monsoon of negativity. I intended to raise awareness for suicide and suicide awareness. It continued. I do this shit every day. I made a 15-minute TV show every single day, in capital letters, for the past 460 plus days. One may understand that it's easy to get caught up in the moment without fully weighing the possible ramifications. I'm often reminded of how big of a reach I truly have, and with great power comes great responsibility. For the first time in my life, I'm regretful to say I handled that power incorrectly. It won't happen again. I love everyone. I believe in people. I'm out here. Peace. Hashtag low gang for life. Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) This is so far from funny. That is so bad. I actually think to be that deluded is a bit funny, to be honest. To have something so serious happen and you understand the need to release an apology and hashtag the end of it, low gang for life, shows such a deep misunderstanding for why people were upset with what happened. I did it because I thought I could make a positive ripple on the internet, not cause a monsoon of negativity. Just don't apologise. If that's how you truly feel, don't open your apology with that. You're not sorry. No. Also, what's with like, I believe in people? Like, 
I'm out here, peace, hashtag. What do you mean? Logan. I'm out here. Where? Like, where is here? What do you mean? Delusion. <laughs> yeah, truly. Now, once again, after this apology, Logan faced severe criticism. People felt that he didn't understand the true consequences of his actions, and the comments started flooding in. One read, a mistake is like mispronouncing someone's name. Consciously deciding to whip out your camera and to disrespectfully film a suicide victim is not. It is very clear at this point that Logan's notes app apology was not going to cut it. So a day later on January 3, 2018, he uploaded a video titled So Sorry to his YouTube channel. The video came in, Mish, at about one minute and 44 seconds long. Yeah, we are going to play you this video now. I've made a severe and continuous lapse in my judgment and I don't expect to be forgiven. I'm simply here to apologize. So what we came across that day in the woods was obviously unplanned and the reactions you saw on tape were raw, they were unfiltered. Uh, None of us knew how to react or how to feel. I should have never posted the video. I should have put the cameras down and stopped recording what we were going through. There's a lot of things I should have done differently, but I didn't. And for that, from the bottom of my heart, I am sorry. I want to apologize to the internet. I want to apologize to anyone who's seen the video. I want to apologize to anyone who has been affected or touched by mental illness or depression or suicide. But most importantly, I want to apologize to the victim and his family. For my fans who are defending my actions, please don't. They do not deserve to be defended. Um, The goal with my content is always to entertain, to push the boundaries, to be all-inclusive. In the world I live in, I share almost everything I do. The intent is never to be heartless, cruel, or malicious. Uh, Like I said, I've made a huge mistake. I don't expect to be forgiven. I'm just here to apologize. I'm ashamed of myself. I'm disappointed in myself. And I promise to be better. I will be better. Thank you. So as you can imagine, having heard that tone, this had a very typical YouTuber apology set up. Logan looked serious. He looked tired. He looked he looked all the ways you would expect a YouTuber to look. He was sitting in front of a plain background, plain clothing. This was actually filmed in his hotel room in Japan because he was still in Japan when all of this controversy was dominating the internet, which gives you an idea of how quickly things exploded. exploded. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I do think when it comes to this apology, I mean, it's definitely better than the last one, but Mm. the last one's not hard to beat. At this point, I don't really know how you atone for this level of a mistake when... I do feel like the first thing you put out is the most revealing apology of all. I completely agree. Like I don't, I think so much damage is done when the first apology doesn't come across particularly authentic. There's not much you can say to win me back. And truthfully, I know this might come across as harsh, but if you're the kind of person who has such a lack of empathy and compassion that you film someone's body after they've taken their own life and you think that's entertainment, I mean, he's going to pretend that he was trying to raise awareness. He wasn't. There was nothing in that original video that was helpful or productive or respectful to people who have lost their lives to suicide. If you're the kind of person to make that content, I truly don't believe that within the space of what, less than a week, 
you can understand or reform to this level. I actually think if you're that kind of person, you need years to properly reform and understand the world. Yeah, I think to get a glimpse or to understand how huge this story was at the time, writer Richard Lawson penned a piece for Vanity Fair with the headline, Why Logan Paul Should Really Worry Us. In it, he wrote, Logan Paul seems teary and contrite, and probably in some senses he genuinely is, but there is more than a glimmer of inauthenticity here, just as there was in his first apology. That may simply be because Logan Paul is an egomaniac post-adolescent who doesn't yet have a sense of anything beyond his own nose. But it also shows that the larger the legion of supporters grows, the less and less external condemnation or any kind of moral urging really matters. Mm. I wonder if there's some element of truth to that, that Logan Paul might have known deep down that even though this was a scandal that could, I guess, ostensibly threaten his career, his supporters would still be there and maybe that's the only thing that really mattered to him. Yeah. The direct ramifications of Logan's suicide video and his apologies was monumental. But it was only a little while later, Zara, in an interview with The Hollywood Reporter, that we learned what the immediate aftermath of those actions actually looked like for Logan Paul. Yeah. So in that interview with The Hollywood Reporter, just under a year after all of this happened, Logan looked back on it all. He said that his phone was practically emitting smoke the minute he uploaded the video. He said, I'm getting texts from friends, family, colleagues, accomplices. He recalled of those frantic first hours. I'm like, wow, I really fucked up to a degree that this may be the only thing people remember me by. And that is my worst nightmare. He wobbled around his hotel room, not sure what the fuck to do. I mean, we could sort of analyze with a fine tooth comb every quote here, Mm. but it is interesting that sense of, wow, I really fucked up this might be the only thing people remember me by Mm. rather than, wow, I really fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, and I hurt people. I also think it's revisionist history. I don't think he believed this in the first hours. Why did it take him a full day to delete it? If you really thought that, it would have been up for 15 15 minutes minutes. and as soon as your phone was blowing up, you would have deleted it or your first apology would have been better. It's revisionist to think that he was behaving this way immediately. The piece continued. The next day, he boarded the longest flight of his life, in first class, mind you, from Tokyo to Los Angeles. Just hood up, hat down, sunglasses on, he said. He went directly from the airport to his home, where 10 of his handlers, including his manager and agents and other assorted lawyers and publicists, had gathered around a stretched dining room table for an emergency meeting. It lasted eight hours. That, I believe. Yes, I'm surprised by 10 handlers. That number is interesting. But I guess when you have tens of millions of followers online. There's a lot of money floating around and a lot of people that have a stake in it all. So what did Logan and his team cover in this eight-hour emergency meeting? He said, can you imagine we were building the biggest fucking brand in the world? Oh, God. Yeah, sorry. No, you weren't. Yeah, we were on the verge of like product launches. We were about to create the next Axe body spray. And here we were just trying to wrap our heads around what happened. I was so used to being liked, but being hated, I hate it. I hate being hated. So plans to launch Logan's own kind of Axe body spray were, of course, put on hold. But he wasn't just losing the opportunity to manufacture a body spray. A much more significant blow was on the way, Mish. Yeah. On January 10, 2017, YouTube made the major decision to cut all business ties with Logan Paul. Now, that meant that Logan's channel was removed from their Google preferred program where brands can sell ads to YouTube's top 5% of creators. YouTube also said publicly 
that all YouTube originals, which is essentially their long form, higher budget, professionally funded pay per play videos on the platform had been put on hold with Logan. He wasn't going to be involved essentially with YouTube in any professional way anymore. Yeah. At that point though, he could still run regular ads on his videos. That's the kind that most YouTubers were able to run, but he was sort of in this upper echelon of being able to make money on YouTube and that was stripped from him. So in terms of income, it can be hard to say definitively at this point, what the impact was. That said, according to the BBC, losing his place on that Google preferred program would mean he lost top tier cash per click. And I can imagine a lot of people in his team would have been stressed by this. Mm. Looking back on the controversy, Logan Paul himself actually put a number on the amount of money he lost at the time. But again, with Logan Paul, I take everything with a grain of salt. He said to the Hollywood Reporter that he lost $5 million when he was removed from Google preferred. He said, I mean, YouTube had to take a stance. They're not going to let some kid fuck up their ad platform. So back to what happened at Logan's emergency team meeting. Logan and his team decided the best thing to do would be for Logan to take a three-week hiatus from posting videos on YouTube and then soft launch his comeback with a suicide awareness video. Before we get to this suicide awareness video that was released towards the end of Jan, do you think three weeks is enough. No. It's so interesting to me reading this back that they thought three weeks was sufficient. I know. A couple of months? I would say I know women who have done far less on the internet who have taken three months. Yeah. Jenna Marbles never came back. Yeah. On January 25, 2018, I mean, it's still like within the same month of all of this happening. That's what's even weirder. Like this is still in January 2018. Logan Paul uploaded a seven-minute video to his channel titled suicide be here tomorrow the video was the first anyone had heard of logan for the three weeks after his apology video now in that video he spoke with several suicide and mental health awareness advocates he spoke frankly to the camera about what people could do to support their friends if they suspect they were struggling and he also pledged to donate one million dollars to various suicide prevention organizations here's a clip from the video for anyone watching, I want you to know you are not alone, and most of the time, crisis passes. So if you or anyone you know feels alone or trapped, I encourage anyone to call or even text the Suicide or Crisis Hotline. Although this is a tough conversation, it's important because things can and will get better. It's time to start a new chapter in my life as I continue to educate both myself and others on suicide. I'm humbled and thankful to say, this is just the beginning. What do you think of this video and broadly this PR approach? I don't know. I think I'm just cynical about the whole thing. And I think maybe that's an unhelpful opinion to take. Mm. I just don't know how you come back from this. And I'm not usually of that opinion with a lot of controversies. But it's like, I don't want you to be doing this, to be honest. Yeah. I think the $1 million donation is the best thing he could have done. I Actually agree with putting that. his money, and that's a substantial amount of money for any person to put forward. I actually don't think it's too bad. I know at the time when I watched this, I felt it was disingenuous and maybe I'll always feel that when it comes to the Paul brothers. I don't think it's too bad. I think the $1 million donation was absolutely imperative. Yes, I think that's a really good point. Now, in a feature headlined, Logan Paul has returned to YouTube as a very serious person. Reporter Jay Willis reflected on the PR machine that was behind Logan Paul to try and get his career back up and running. He wrote, with this video, the redemption tour begins in earnest and you can almost see the boxes being methodically checked off some PR firm's conference room whiteboard as the clip rolls. A behind the music style montage of TV anchors excoriating Logan, an earnest promise to learn 
learn from the past, sit-downs with a handful of anti-suicide activists and experts, a brief aside in which he plays with an adorable dog for some reason. At one point, there is even a slow-mo sequence in which Paul literally washes his hands just in case the message of his transformation might get lost on the true metaphor heads in his fan base. This piece in GQ continued, the entire thing is a tour de force in crisis management with a production budget that looks like it would rival that of a 30-second Super Bowl spot. Mm. So I think this piece for GQ really sums up a lot of the reaction to this video. I remember remember people watched this and went, I don't buy it. It's very glossy. It feels disingenuous. As it, just I, feel, it felt fake. Yeah, it felt fake. I think that was to the adult audience in the room, though. I feel like younger people, yeah. this was what younger people wanted. As Jay Willis noted in that piece for GQ, Logan actually gained subscribers on his channel throughout this controversy. Crazy. It's probably safe to say that this was adequate for the majority of viewers. Well, considering the majority of young viewers were so young mm. and his audience was so young. Now, after this video, Logan took another short-ish break and then started to go back to regular programming on Feb 5, 2018. A quick refresher for timeline's sake, his first video that sparked this entire thing was uploaded on December 31, 2017. So we're talking four and a half weeks max. Yeah. Now, unfortunately... Logan very quickly took another misstep that had massive repercussions for his reputation again and particularly his relationship with YouTube on February 9, 2018. I cannot believe this. I don't even want to tell this part of the story. This is four days after he went back to regular programming. He uploaded a since-deleted vlog that included footage of him using a taser on a dead rat he'd found in his backyard. The level of stupidity. How? To be sitting in, I mean, there's so many layers to this. There's the decision to even feel like this is an, again, an okay thing to do. And secondary to that, an okay thing to film as entertainment. So there's that part of it. And then there's just like the public relations part where it's like you've sat in eight hour long meetings about how to repair your reputation as if you're not working on eggshells. Yeah. He's also turning 24 in the year that this happens. He's too old to be making mistakes like this. If he was 16, maybe let's have a conversation about how a 16-year-old boy or girl could get themselves in this mess again. An almost 24-year-old, like, come on. He, of course, as we said, deleted that vlog. But as you can imagine, people absolutely hated it. Peter, the animal rights organization, released a statement which read, how many chances does Logan Paul get? Peter finds it repulsive that this internet personality with millions of impressionable young followers has not learned the lesson that there is sadness, not humor, in the death of others. This sort of content has no place on YouTube or anywhere else as it could desensitize young people to cruelty to animals. So Peter is calling on YouTube to remove it. Look, Peter has its own controversies, right? But I do think this is a really strong statement. Yeah, I, I agree. think it's really, really strong. Following the backlash, YouTube made the decision to completely demonetize Logan's YouTube channel, which meant he had no ability at all to run ads on his videos, which of course meant he couldn't make money from YouTube. I imagine he still had some lingering sponsorships from, I don't know what brands decided to not pull their money. But this would have been, I imagine, a huge blow. Now, this kind of punishment is usually a temporary measure for accounts that violate YouTube's terms of service. So two weeks later, he was able to monetize his videos again, but YouTube placed him under a 90-day probation period 
during which his videos were banned from the trending tab. Yeah. As per The Hollywood Reporter, Logan called the dead rat video, and I quote, one of the dumbest things I've ever done in my life. I thought, I don't know what to do right now. I'm already hated. I guess I'll give them a reason to dislike me. What? We already have that many reasons. You don't need to give us another reason. It doesn't make any sense at all. Anyway, we've still got so much more to cover. I'm tired. Let's take a break. We're a word from today's sponsor and we'll be back. All right, Zara, now that we've had a little breather, it's time to check back in with the other Paul brother. He's coasted through this episode without many mentions. Jake, it is time to check back in with what Jake was up to in 2018. All right. So while this was all happening in the background, he was still running Team 10 with some interesting results. As we said in episode one, there was so much movement with who lived and worked there (laughs) that it's incredibly hard to keep track. Suffice to say that various members who worked and lived in Team 10 were accusing Jake at this time of bullying and pig-headed behaviour. By May 2018, COO Nick Crompton and the head of engineering had left within a week of each other. So for anyone who's keeping track, that means less than a year after release, everyone featured in It's Everyday Bro, except for Jake, had now left Team 10. Oh, Yes. It's Everyday Bro was an institution. (laughs) It was. An investigation by The Verge alleged that there was an unexpected source behind all the turbulence at Team 10 in 2018, and it was a man by the name of Greg Paul. (laughs) Yeah, Jake Paul's dad, who had taken over operations and was making some waves, not very good waves, in the company. This is a quote from that Verge piece. On May 7, YouTuber Keemstar posted a video claiming to have spoken with an inside source at Team 10. Jake Paul's father, known as Greg Paul, has completely taken over Jake Paul and Logan Paul's businesses and is planning to do a merger with the two, Keemstar says. And Greg Paul is obsessed with saving money. Keemstar goes on to say that Greg Paul audited both Jake and Logan's companies for a month before deciding to fire several staffers and that Nick Crompton quit as a result. Yeah, on hiring his dad to run things, Jake explained in a vlog, I needed someone who wholeheartedly wanted nothing else but to protect me, who didn't care about my money, who I could 100% trust no matter what. Not to run my businesses and be in charge, but to simply look over the shoulders of other people who are in my businesses, who I am entrusting to run my business. (laughs) Sorry, what? Because I know my dad would have my best interests at heart. Mm. Right. Mm, Okay. (laughs) All right. In September 2018, the now disgraced YouTuber Shane Dawson, I mean, he's now disgraced at this point in time, he was beloved, set his sights on Jake Paul for one of his YouTube documentary series. The YouTube series on Jake was called The Mind of Jake Paul. It was an extremely bloated eight-part <laughs> series that came in at nearly seven hours of content. You best believe yours truly watched every single episode. Shane set out with the intention of determining whether or not Jake Paul was a sociopath. This with is this. Like so outrageous. Yeah. Now, of course, a sociopath is someone with antisocial personality disorder that, of course, can only really be diagnosed by a medical professional. There was a psychologist involved in the video series, but she was, I remember, incredibly unprofessional throughout the entire I mean, thing. Who's being in 
involved in a YouTuber documentary anyway about stuff like this. Now, the mind of Jake Paul was big. Episode one has 30 million <laughs> views at the time of recording. It's absurd the reach these docos had. Do you reckon Netflix looked at this shit and was like, how are they doing this? Yes. 30 million it's people. It's like a bunch of kids who were just like... Here we go. We're going to make a documentary Smashing series. Smashing it. Episode two has 27 million views. So what did the series cover? Well, of course, the various controversies that Jake Paul kind of found himself in. But as with all Shane Dawson documentaries, it had a fairly sympathetic, immature, perhaps even <laughs> biased slant. The main takeaway was that the therapist that Shane spoke to for the series, Mish, that you mentioned seemed pretty unprofessional. <laughs> And that the Paul family dynamics were sometimes harmful and overly competitive. The documentary also found <laughs> that the boys were raised to block out emotion, to be men, and that Erica, Jake's girlfriend, was a calming and healthy influence on him. And that the pace of his lifestyle and fame was completely unsustainable. Yeah. God, we're taking me back. I, I can re- you really like, feel like you're in a time warp right now. Yeah, it's like a little movie is playing in my head right now. There was definitely an impression as well that Jake was addicted to adrenaline and chaos, but that he was not emotionally mature enough yet to deal with that. There was like a big emphasis on his brain's still developing. Oh, yeah, that old he like doesn't know. young men don't have their fully fleshed brains yet. Yeah, in tandem with Erica's going to save him. Yes, she keeps... <laughs> Him stable. <laughs> now, I think it's an important question to ask, well, did Shane Dawson's documentary change anyone's perception of Jake Paul as a person? Well, in a story for Refinery29 headlined, Has Jake Paul Changed After Shane Dawson's Revealing Documentary? Reporter Catherine Lindsay wrote, Paul appears to have made some shifts in his behaviour. Now, after listening to his side of the story, hearing him admit his mistakes and be vulnerable, audiences are more open to Paul's brand. I believe that. Yeah. When you've got a bunch of children and teenagers watching this stuff, I don't think they're as savvy to kind of see through the PR spin that was in every Shane Dawson doco. I mean, even myself at the time, I was I was a young adult watching this stuff. I remember watching his series with Jeffree Star and thinking, oh, Jeffree Star's not that bad. And then oh you kind of God. have some hindsight and you kind of have a bird's eye picture again. You go, wait, no, I was just manipulated for seven hours. Yeah, well, it's a long time as well. Yeah, like, I was brainwashed. It's a, it's a huge share of voice they have. <laughs> now, on November 8, 2018, just a month after The Mind of Jake Paul finished airing, Jake Paul released a lengthy statement to Twitter, which read like this. Dear Jake Paulers <laughs> and whoever it may concern, I am reluctantly writing this message and can barely hold it together as I do so, but I've been waiting for the right time to make a statement about mine and Erica's relationship. Sadly, we broke up a while ago, and since then we've been doing our best to work it out and find a solution. After many discussions and some serious soul-searching, it became apparent to us weeks ago that we could no longer be boyfriend and girlfriend. While it was a truly heartbreaking decision, it's the healthiest thing for both of us. Oh, so Erica can't save him anymore. No, not <laughs> at all. Who's going to save Jake Paul? Yeah, let's move forward into 2019 because both Jake and Logan were still actively vlogging at this point. However, Logan's focus had begun to shift towards his impulsive podcast. As for Team 10, their dedicated social channels were wiped clean by September 29, marking the official end of the social media incubator house. Although Jake never confirmed or denied the official closure of Team 10, it was a very gradual, slow, quiet thing. And look, I think these two men are so deeply flawed, but at least things like this, I think, are smart. By never actually announcing it, 
Team 10 just disappeared and everyone kind of forgot about it. Sort of like One Direction. It's like we're going on hiatus and then just like actually never came back. Yeah. Jake Paul would not be single for long though. In a vlog posted to his channel on April 25, 2019, a friend of Jake's accused him of flirting with Tana Mojo at a party the night before. Jake said, I don't remember any of this happening, but she's cute. (laughs) That very same day, Tana posted a photo of herself in bed on Snapchat and fans were quick to notice that she was in Jake's bed. <laughs> For those of you who don't know who Tana Mojo is, we covered her extensively in our TanaCon Scandal oh series God. last year. Go listen to that because it is such a good one. But let's do a quick recap in case you can't be bothered. Tana is a chaotic social media influencer. She had amassed millions of subscribers on YouTube in particular. Some of her most famous videos on the platform were titled How I Did My Makeup in High School, I Was a Thought, and (laughs) I Smoked Selvia and Hallucinated Terribly. Story time. (laughs) All of these titles in capital letters, so they're yelling at you as well. On April 30, 2019, both Tana and Jake uploaded videos featuring each other to their respective YouTube channels. Tanner's was titled Mark Bang in Bed with My Rebound Jake Paul. Jake's was titled Meet the Girl I've Been Hiding oh. in You with the thumbnail of the couple kissing. In her video, Tanner jokingly calls their relationship a clout relationship. That said, the relationship quickly seemed to escalate with them getting matching tattoos to celebrate their seven-week anniversary. And on Tanner's 21st birthday on June 23, Jake presented her with a brand new Mercedes. I know this was all a PR stunt, but it's a smart one. Yeah. Because Tanner was coming off the back of TanaCon. Jake was coming off the back of all of the controversies that he and his brother had found himself in. And they made this so big and so public that when I think of Jake Paul, the marriage to Tana Mojo, sorry, I just spoiled a little bit. We'll get there. This relationship is the first thing I think of because they made this such a PR moment, such a PR spin. That was just the beginning because on the day after Jake gave Tanner a Mercedes for her birthday, he proposed to her at a nightclub and she said yes. Obviously, many people thought this was a joke and that their relationship was fake. But Tanner and Jake insisted it was real. Tanner tweeted, it's not a joke. I'm engaged. Holy fuck. <laughs> it, was, it was fake. Definitely. I think they might have been sleeping together. Yeah, I think they were probably just having like a fling and enjoyed each other's company. They're so young. Yeah. Now, regardless, they did get married on July 28, 2019, married were putting in inverted commas because In Touch ran a report shortly after the wedding that claimed the nuptials weren't legally binding. The funny thing is, Tanner and Jake throughout this time didn't make much effort to hide this. Yeah. So on her wedding day vlog, Tanner said that their marriage wouldn't be legally binding. And I quote, because I think that legally binding yourself to someone takes away the love <laughs> like it's unnecessary. <laughs> in her reality show for MTV, Tanner's manager, Jordan, said... There's a lot of stuff about whether this is legal or not, whether any documents have been signed. I mean, it might not be recognised by any county, the United States (laughs) or any part of the world, but under YouTube law, Jake and Tanner are married. That's one of my favourite quotes ever. How old was that manager? You could not be a day over the age of like 22 to give a quote like that. Unless you're saying it tongue in cheek and it's kind of funny. (laughs) This wedding was absolutely ridiculous. It cost a reported $500,000. It took place in Las Vegas in a house that had been custom graffitied with Tanner and Jake's couple name, hashtag 
Jana forever. Jana forever. Jana forever. I mean, yeah. Tana. Jana. <laughs> I think Jana. A fight broke out in the middle of the ceremony and someone poured a glass of champagne over Tana just after the couple said, I do. As you can imagine, their marriage didn't last that long. One month after they got married, Jake was photographed with his ex Erica at a Panera Bread, which sort of like a, I guess like a subway <laughs> in the US. Why is that so perfect? I don't know. It's amazing. Oh, the pair also claimed that they had an open relationship since the beginning. So I think that was also an easy way to be like, no, we're really together. But if you see us with other people, that's okay because we have an open marriage. However, by January 2020, they had officially called it quits. They posted individual statements to Instagram announcing the news. Jake's read, as Tanner and I sit next to each other writing captions about taking a break, we're literally laughing at how crazy and stupid the last couple of months have been and cracking jokes at how silly this all seems. I wouldn't change anything that happened. The last thing we want to see is fan pages speculating what happened. We just truly need a second to focus on our own lives and ourselves. Love you, Mojo. <laughs> Love is spelled L-U-V. You is just the letter U. Love True you, romance. Mojo. <laughs> wow. I mean, again, as you say, not the worst PR move I've ever seen. It's smart. Yeah. Now, the controversies really just didn't stop for the Paul brothers. We're now in June 2020, and it was at this point that footage circulated around the internet that allegedly showed Jake Paul involved in looting a mall in Arizona during a BLM protest. As per The Verge, in multiple videos posted to Instagram and Twitter, Paul and members of his crew are seen outside and inside an Arizona mall where looting is taking place. It remained unclear from videos whether Paul and his team were actively involved in any looting, but commentators on social media, including prominent members of the YouTube community, criticised Paul for his appearance at the scene regardless. In response to the allegations, Jake released a statement that read, to be absolutely clear, neither I nor anyone in our group was engaged in any looting or vandalism. For context, we spent the day doing our part to peacefully protest from the most horrific injustices our country has ever seen, which led to us being tear-gassed for filming the events and brutality that were unfolding in Arizona. Despite denying that he was involved, Scottsdale police did file misdemeanor charges against Jake for his alleged involvement in the looting. Yeah, in August 2020, two months later, his home in California was actually raided by the FBI, ostensibly due to his alleged involvement in the Arizona looting and subsequent riot. According to the news outlet ABC7, authorities removed what appeared to be firearms from his home. Now, Jake Paul continued to deny any involvement and the misdemeanor charges against him were eventually dropped. Kind of crazy yes. that we're on a YouTube series talking about a home being raided by the FBI. It's crazy. Yeah. Now we're zooming forward a little bit, guys, almost a year, because in April 2021, the reporter Taylor Lorenz wrote an expository article for the New York Times headlined, Jake Paul promised them fame, was it worth the price? This article outlined allegations of sexual misconduct by Jake that took place in the Team 10 house when it was still open back in the heyday. Yeah, in the piece, Lorenz wrote, Paul remains the blueprint for many social media stars today. Without him, it is hard to imagine the current land rush of so-called collab houses where young content creators film videos, throw parties and spur drama, or the proliferation of prank videos on YouTube, or the bad boy archetype embodied by so many influencer entrepreneurs born on TikTok. Now, in this piece, Taylor Lorenz outlined the story of AJ Mitchell, a young musician who lived in the Team Town house when he was just 
14 years old. Now, initially, AJ's parents weren't keen at all on allowing him to move into the Team 10 house from his family home, but were eventually convinced after, and I quote, extensive conversations with Mr. Paul's parents, Mr. Paul's assistant, Erica, who was in her mid-20s, and another member of Team 10. The story goes that in May 2016, 14-year-old AJ arrived at the Team 10 house and ended up sharing a room with Alyssa Violet after spending several weeks sleeping on the couch in the living room. Speaking about his experience in 2021, AJ said it was all about the follower count. If you got tagged in one of Jake's YouTube videos, you would get 50,000 followers. Jake would use that to manipulate everyone. If anyone didn't do what Jake wanted, he would tell everyone else in the house not to tag them. Jake had a monopoly and he decided who got famous. Mm, AJ also revealed that instead of being entirely looked after by Team 10, he relied on small amounts of money sent from his parents to purchase food. As per the feature, there was money coming in too and members of the group had questions about where it was going. When Team 10 formed, Mr. Paul set up and controlled business email accounts for each member to solicit opportunities. Mr. Mitchell said he was not aware of the opportunities that he was being pitched for or that were coming in. In the 14 months he spent as part of the group, he said he was paid directly for two brand deals but never received payment from Team 10. I do want to pause on this quickly. I completely appreciate AJ's allegations against Team 10. It sounds like it was a pretty horrific time. I don't know why parents would let their 14-year-old go live in a situation like this either. There's got to be some ownership there that you're letting your teenage child... He's 14. ...move across the country and live with strangers and approving them being in this kind of environment. Like, what were his parents doing? Yeah, yeah, 100%. And it sounds like Jake Paul was drunk on the power as well. AJ also alleged that there was free-flowing alcohol and marijuana circulating around the house during parties and that he once drunk so much he blacked out. Now, one of the most concerning allegations within the feature was that AJ claimed he began a sexual relationship with a woman nearly a decade older than him during this time. The piece noted that now he understood that the relationship could not have been consensual given Again, as a reminder, he was just 14 at the time. The feature also looked at further accusations of sexual assault against Jake that had surfaced around the same time from a TikToker named Justine Paradise. Now, Justine Paradise claimed that an incident with Jake took place in the Team 10 house in 2019. Jake denied her claims via a statement posted to his Twitter account. Yeah, he said of these allegations, sexual assault accusations aren't something that I or anyone else should ever take lightly. But to be crystal clear, the claim made against me is 100% false. Make no mistake, I plan on pursuing this defamation of character case to the fullest extent of the law. He went on, at the time of her story, I was in a relationship. And as someone who was a mama's boy growing up, I respect women and mothers more than anything. Mm. I most certainly have never laid a finger on a girl without their consent. I mean, yeah. Now, in the New York Times piece as well, there were also allegations outlined from model and actress Rayleigh Lolly, who claimed that one evening Jake groped her, after which she forcefully told him to stop and run out of the room. Now, she'd been working with Jake at the time, but quit pretty soon after the alleged incident. Mm, it sounds like this house was completely shambolic and dangerous for some of these children, like literal children. Well, I, I think what's interesting about this feature is it does make note of the fact that child labour laws somehow don't seem to apply or didn't seem to apply at this time to content houses. Yeah. And so it was like just this completely unprecedented working environment. Business, yeah. That was 
making so much money but was so deeply dangerous for so many young kids who just weren't supervised. Mm. It's really confronting to read. Now, as we mentioned before, Jake Paul did deny all of this stuff happening, but the mm. fact remains that the New York Times investigation is live and there are a lot of people talking about it. Yeah. Now, the controversy is just kept going, Mish. Yeah, we have a very uh, a weird kind of like sub-controversy that happened in December last year with Logan Paul. Now, we just wanted to include this because he was accused of scamming his followers and his fans after a lot of people lost significant amounts of money when they invested in Logan Paul's cryptocurrency project CryptoZoo, which actually never properly eventuated. Long story short, on February of this year, a class action lawsuit was filed against Logan for raising funds from investors for a game, a cryptocurrency game, that never existed, the results of that lawsuit are yet to be determined. Yeah. <laughs> just like, how is that suddenly just like a by the by? Like having a class action against you is like so big. Yeah. And because there are so many controversies in their careers, this is the ultimate by the by at the end. It feels like these brothers got a whiteboard up, wrote every kind of controversy they could get themselves involved with and then just ticked them off over a five-year period. This yeah. is it. Like what? Yeah, and that kind of brings us to the end of all the controversies. I mean, <laughs> I'm actually exhausted. As for the their work that they're doing at the moment, as we know, Logan Paul is still producing his Impulsive podcast. The podcast channel on YouTube sits at nearly 4.5 million subscribers. I think the greatest thing that Logan Paul has given us in the last couple of years <laughs> is the, the interview with Liam Payne. Logan Paul also signed a contract with WWE in June 2022, signaling a significant career shift into performing in wrestling, Mish. I would love to know the amount of that contract because it's, it's deep pockets in the WWE, yeah. so I'd love to know. Jake Paul has also made a sports-related pivot, although I don't know if we can call scripted performative wrestling sports, but he has made a similar pivot in his career. Jake Paul is considering himself a professional boxer these days. I mean, I think he's not just considering himself a professional boxer. I think people would he's, – he's fighting a professional fight. <laughs> Definitionally, he's a boxer. Recently on Shameless Podcast when we spoke about his fight against Tommy Fury, though, do you remember those quotes from, like, legit professional oh, yeah. boxers who were like, these two were a joke? <laughs> well, he lost to Tommy Fury. It was his first loss and it was a big deal. Now, unfortunately for all of us – he offered a bit too much information as to why he felt he lost that fight. He said, I woke up the day of the fight in a panic like fuck. You have two weeks of testosterone built up and so a wet dream happens. <laughs> Makes your legs weak. I think it's one of the many reasons I lost. <laughs> Didn't you also say like, I've had a cold recently. Not that I'm making excuses, but my wet dream and my cold. Honestly, that brings us to the end. Far out. I'm exhausted. I actually am exhausted after this. I can't decide if this was my least favourite scandal ever or like one of the most the scandalous. Most. Yeah. I feel exhausted as well. I feel like I need a Powerade. Yeah, same. Big thanks as always to our research, Eilish Gilligan. Guys, if you want to see some of the content around photos, videos, all of that stuff around this scandal episode, come follow us on Instagram at Shameless Podcast. Yeah, and TikTok, Shameless underscore podcast. Thank you so much, guys. We'll be back in your ears on Thursday. Bye. Bye. Shameless Media.
This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.